Welcome to Gather In, where you'll hear stories of conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have an interesting story to tell, please go to our Instagram page or send us an email to gatherin at proton.me. Today's interview is with Sarah Alland, originally from Roy in Utah. Sarah's Instagram page, Let's Be Growing, is well worth looking at and following and liking and all that sort of thing. Sarah uh, served in the Chile Conception South Mission and came home about a year ago. And uh, we'll start off with talking uh, with Sarah about her mission. Sarah, so you would you would have gone on a mission pretty much right when you were 19 or were you a little bit older? Yep, I graduated high school in 2020 and then I started home MPC December of 2020 and I turned 19 in September. So okay. two months after I turned Okay, so it was, was it almost like you couldn't wait to go on a mission? Yeah. I had had some pretty strong revelation the week before COVID hit. I'd gone to the temple three times and I had just felt very strongly that I need to go on a mission as soon as possible. So I was ready to submit my papers as soon as I could. Okay. So, so when you went on your mission, it was pretty much in the middle of COVID still? Was, were there still a lot of restrictions happening in, in Chile? Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I actually was in the home MTC for my full six weeks. I never got to go to the Mexico MTC. They gave me a reassignment, but then they, the borders opened. And so they were like, just kidding. You're actually gonna go straight to Chile. So I was really fortunate that I was sent directly to Chile. Um, and, but we were in lockdown. First 10 days, I couldn't even leave my apartment. And then after that, we could leave for an hour, two hours a week with permission from the government. You had to like, submit forms and then you can go oh, to the grocery wow. store once a week that was about six months the first wow. six months of my mission. tell me how did how did you cope with that that would have been quite um quite the ordeal i'd imagine <laughs> yeah it was pretty difficult my first companion didn't speak any english and we lived just the two of us so it was pretty difficult at first trying to figure out the new country missionary work the language and then all of it all in quarantine. We lived two hours out of our area. I've been, my first area, I served in for six months and I visited one time. Um, but I know the people because we video called them. We would, we did everything over Zoom. Um, but it was pretty taxing mentally and spiritually and definitely the hardest part of it. Yeah, so your, your first companion, were you with that first companion for the, whole six months no 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 i had oh, okay and your first companion spoke no english at all so was that right. was that young lady that young sister missionary was she a local was she from chile yeah she was from northern okay. chile so that would have been she had been there before covid because they the board because you had to stay within oh, the mission, okay. or within the country. Okay. Were there were there times you were thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> Definitely, it was kind of weird to be 
like I was like oh I live in a foreign country and they're like oh how is it and I'm like I don't know I know the floor walls of my apartment like I might as well have been living in Utah because I never left so it was kind of strange to be like oh yeah I'm in the country but I'm not really mm. getting to know the country yeah look I, I that that's but, that's a pretty amazing challenge to go through you know for the first part of the mission and it's was basically one third of your mission. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, when the um, the rules started to relax around COVID, did it sort of happen suddenly that you were suddenly allowed out all the time, or was it a gradual uh, sort of release where you were given more time? It was pretty gradual. Like right at first, it was like, okay, you can go to church, but it's very limited numbers. Luckily, they let the missionaries go every week, but the members had to switch off. And so this would have been June of 2021. Yeah, was the first time we went in person, including like the whole country. That was the first time they went in person. And that was the first time we had in person district councils, in person uh, uh, zone conferences like it all so that in that way yes everything all happened like that month it was like okay we're doing everything in person but then the like knocking doors i wasn't able to do until my very final transfer in the wow well that's uh yeah that's quite 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 amazing so a, a lot of missionaries through that time were being reassigned i guess i guess you were you were assigned to the chile conception mission after all the reassignments were happening. So there were people out in the mission field, COVID hit, people were being reassigned all over the place. Um, I know currently we still have some missionaries here in our mission who started their mission uh, in one mission, usually usually in mainland US, and they've, they ended up you know, coming here. Um, so we, have, we actually have quite a few missionaries who have been through that. So that wasn't the case with you. You went straight to your mission served your whole mission there in your mission, you were just locked inside for a fair bit of it. Uh, and you had, in, that, in those six months, you had four companions. Um, so mm -hmm. spending all that time home alone with your companion, it would have been, I, I guess, sometimes, uh, you know, a, a welcome relief just to have a change of companion and get to know someone new. Yeah, definitely. And after a month we moved and we ended up living with two other sisters so that was a lot better too that there were more yeah more social yeah, interaction yeah with yeah other people. okay look that that's all quite amazing i mean I'm, I'm sure you know as you uh uh get into studying psychology you'll <laughs> you look back on your missionary time and think wow i did pretty well to get through all that you know i've come through unscathed i've come through unscathed <laughs> yeah yeah that that's that, that's amazing. Sarah, let's just jump back a little bit. So you've grown you've grown up in a okay. in a faithful LDS family. And 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 uh, you yeah. you know, got to the age of nineteen, straight off on your mission. Tell tell me a little bit about life growing up in a faithful LDS family. I'm a convert. I didn't join the church till I was twenty four. So I know nothing. <laughs> just pretend I know nothing and uh, and, and tell me what it was like as a kid growing up, going to church regularly, living in Utah, so you're surrounded in, in the Mormon culture. Sorry, I said the M word, the Latter-day Saint culture. Now, go, go, go back to yeah, your earliest um, memories for us. I, okay. 
Um, I mean, I remember like in elementary, like all of my friends were members, like it didn't even happen on purpose. It just, there's just so many of us that you just naturally became friends. Um, and then at home for me, my biggest memory was definitely, we went to church every Sunday and we had FHE and whole evening every Monday. Um, and we were always just having gospel conversations. Um, and that was just like part of how we lived. Um, you know, we always said prayers before we ate. Um, we weren't always, we weren't a family that did scripture study every night, but we definitely would do it um, and talk about the scriptures. And uh, I don't know, both of my parents are, have always been very active in their callings. And honestly, me and my siblings, like there's been weeks where like, oh, I don't want to go to church, but all of us have been very faithful and just wanted to go and didn't, we didn't need our parents to get on us and force us to go because we were just willing to participate yeah. and be there yeah okay so and and the neighborhood you grew up in was largely lds so mm -hmm. yep more i knew more people who yeah. were members than weren't was there a, a stage in your life where you started to realize that that you lived in utah and you're lds but not the whole world was Um, I mean, I remember, you know, small interactions with a neighbor who wasn't, because like my direct neighbors, for some reason, weren't members, whereas like most of my neighborhood was, but like my very next door, like two of my neighbors were not members. Um, and so you'd see them smoking or whatever. Um, and so in that way, I, and I had like a friend in my neighborhood who also wasn't a member. Um, and I think I just realized how blessed I was honestly like I was just like wow like they're going through such hard things that could be avoided if they just knew about the word wisdom or if they just knew that God loved them so I think for me it was always just like eye-opening to how blessed I was to yeah have this yeah knowledge. but obviously as you grew up you and your you know your education you know you went you went through school you you know study history you know or geography and and, and you'd You'd learn about other countries and and you know at some stage in your growing up years i'd be interested to know how old you were when you sort of realized that yeah the church has been restored to the earth i'm a member of the lord's true church but i live in this place called utah which is uniquely lds almost um but the rest of the world isn't and 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 did that play in your mind as far as going on a mission and wanting to go on a mission, you know, as soon as you could? Um, I, I mean, I remember that I always wanted my friends to know about the gospel. And I remember like when I made my Instagram account, I was 12, like I was very young. And um, I remember like, I just wanted people to know about the gospel. I don't know if I like specifically was like, oh, people who aren't members, I don't remember. I just wanted to be able to share on there. Um, I do know like the older I got that the more um, like, yeah, I want to serve missions to help others. And I remember specifically, I was probably, I hadn't even decided I was serving a mission yet. I was probably like 10 or 11. And at this point I still was like, eh, my brother can serve a mission. Like that's super cool, but I don't need to. And I remember hearing the quote that missionaries leave their families for two years so that um, 
others can be with their families for eternity or something. I don't have the words exactly memorized. And I like remember writing that in the front of my um, scriptures that I'd been given as an eight year old. And I just always remember like, oh yeah, the missionaries are super cool. Like they're giving up this time because we want families to be forever. So I think for me, it was like the, that idea was that families can be together forever. Because I remember going to a wedding once that wasn't, they weren't sealed in the temple. And I was like, but they're not going to be together when they die. And I was just, so for me, I think it was just that like eternal families. That was mm-hmm. so important yeah, that, to me. That's, that's very influential. Now, your, your older brother served a mission in Finland, I understand. Oh, Norway, sorry. Norway. Oh, that's my son-in-law who served in Finland. As I said, I always Norway. get those two countries mixed up. Um, <laughs> Um, let me ask, how much older is he than you and how, how influential was him going on a mission on you or had you, were you already there virtually? Um, I think I had decided before he served, definitely his, so he served 2017 to 2019. So he's three years older than me. Um, Oh, it would have been about the same time because I it was when I got my patriarchal blessing that I really decided and I was about 15 and so he would have been about 18 about to prepare for his mission as well so I guarantee that I, I just remember like being like oh this is so cool that he's serving a mission and we've become really good friends that year that last year so it was actually like, really hard to send him because before that we just kind of fought <laughs> as siblings do but then we'd become really good friends and so then I was like, oh, like, but it's so cool that he's getting to go. My uncle actually also served in that mission. So it was really cool that he was going to get to go there to the same place that we'd have been hearing about our whole lives. Um, and so, and he, and this was before they could video call us every week. So he would email us. And I just remember thinking that he was just so cool and that I also wanted to have mm, that experience yeah. as well. And I, look, I can, I can just imagine the family gathered around when he received his mission call to go to Chile uh, to, no, I've done it again, that's you, uh, when he received his mission call. Um, how excited were you to get your mission call to uh, down to Chile, Conception South Mission? I was ecstatic. I wanted to serve South America. I wanted to serve Spanish speaking. I've always, like, I remember having, I took Spanish in junior high, but I was not good. Um, <laughs> And I couldn't, I couldn't say anything, but I remember having um, classmates who didn't speak English and I really, really tried to help her. There was this one specifically, I really tried to help her because my teacher would just like look at her and talk really slowly as if that would help. And instead I would like go into Google Translate and try to talk to her and become her friend. And so I've always just wanted to be able to help and speak Spanish and I've already gotten to use it so much. At this elementary school I worked at, a lot of most of the kids that I worked with were second language. Their first language was Spanish. And so I got to come in and I translated for one of their parent teacher conferences um, because it's the, their parents don't speak English. And so I just always was like, I want Spanish speaking. I think it'd be so cool to be able to help people who seem so humble. And it was. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's amazing. It's funny. Uh, when I received my mission call as a young young man, I, I remember thinking, look, the only country in the world I really don't want to go to is New Zealand. I just, it, I, I'd only ever met one person from New Zealand that I really liked, you know. I don't want to go to New Zealand. Guess where my mission call was, okay. you know, New Zealand. 
but I love New Zealand now, and I love I love New Zealanders and and everything. So you know, your attitude can change over the years. But uh, yeah, that was that was like as you said, a dream come true for you to go go down there. Um, uh, you were immersed in a in a different culture. How was that getting used to living in this totally different culture? Um, I mean, I, I have no idea what conception is like. Is that a big city? Were you, were you in a big city in a country area? Tell us a, a little bit about that. Yeah, um, Concepcion technically wasn't part of my mission. Um, that's where the mission home was and the temple was there, but we technically, the Concepcion mission covered that city. I mostly served countryside, like small towns. Um, I a little bit served in the cities, but mainly I was in these small little places. Um, so they usually had branches and we would help a lot. We, they're, they're big enough that we didn't need to like run Sunday school or anything, but we definitely were part of the program. And I spoke like every two months, like I spoke a lot on my mission and was just always ready to help. So that was pretty cool. And I got to play the piano in sacrament meeting um, at near the end of my mission once we were in person again. Because um, they didn't have a pianist, so I was yeah. Able oh, that's to do amazing. That. Yeah, look, uh, a lot of the young missionaries we have serving here. Uh, at one stage, we've got uh, two, four, six, six young missionaries serving right nearby us here. And at one stage, almost every one of them played the piano, um, which was really good. That was a you know a great resource. Um, so you know, having those sort of talents um, really helps on your mission. Um, I think anyway. So yeah, that that that's fantastic. Um, as you, as you were getting you know towards the end of your mission, uh, and I, I'm I'm thinking of myself a little bit here now. We've only got three months to go on our mission, and and we're serving eighteen months, same period of time that you served as a sister missionary. We were lucky we came uh, out here on our mission um, just towards the end of COVID. So. We had very few missionaries here, but things have built up and, you know, we started with just one other companionship in our whole area. And now we've got, I think, five companionships here. So things have really changed a lot. But, we, you know, we're sort of getting towards the end of our mission and we're starting to think, oh, you know, what what things do we need to be working on? We've only got three months to go. Did you have a sort of similar feeling as you were sort of getting close to the end of your mission? You're thinking, oh, what more can I do? Any any sort of thoughts around that? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely was like, oh well, what am I going to do now? Like, how am I going to apply what I've learned? Um, and I kind of served a mission at the time. Another reason I went straight off is because I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do um, college-wise. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I was like, oh, I'll just put that off. I'll just go on a mission. Like, then I don't have to think about it. And then I'm, you know, nearing the end, I'm like, oh, crap. Now I have to make a decision. Now I have to, like, you know, make more big life decisions. Because, like, the mission, they're like, here's what you do. Just just do these things, and you're great. Whereas afterwards, it's a little more open. And I was kind of afraid of that. Um, and they start, they make you do my plan, where you have to, like, be um, thinking about the future and what you're going to be doing. And... Um, I think the main thing to me that I really thought about was just that I needed to keep up my spiritual growth. Not, not that I needed to study an hour a day necessarily, but that I needed to be reading the Book of Mormon every day 
And one that stood out to me very strongly was to go to the temple once a week, especially because I'd only been through, I went through once before my mission, and then I went, I, I was lucky enough to go three times on my mission. But I, like, I wanted to, like, really understand the endowment, and so I made the goal to go once a week. And I have missed maybe two weeks in the last year. Um, and so I think just that and then working on my Instagram page to, like, bear my testimony and to study more, that was kind of the main um, I don't know, thought that I got as yeah. I was finishing. Okay. Yeah. Look, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's just a fantastic goal to have to be able to go, you know, set a goal to go to the, to the temple once a week and to be able to do that almost every week. I'm guessing you probably have a fairly short drive to the nearest temple, do you? Yeah. So during the school year, it was wow. a five minute drive. Um, so very close and then right now it's a 25 mm. drive, which is still yeah, very and... close so it's not so so in in that way it's not as big of a sacrifice because i do live close enough that that's a possibility yeah that's so that's, that's amazing what which temple is uh, your temple um right now it's the ogden okay that's fantastic you look you you're so blessed um you know in many ways to to live in utah back home where Yes. Back home where uh, we live down uh, in, near Melbourne and, and the temple is on the other side of Melbourne to us. Melbourne's a big city. It's nearly 5 million people or around about 5 million people. So we have it a, about an hour and 15 minute drive to get to the temple normally. And we, we try and go once a week. Uh, my wife and I were temple workers. Uh, so we go one week as, as workers and another week as patrons. So we try to go every week and we, we actually did achieve that most of the time. Uh, that, you know, quite a battle through through the peak hour traffic to get there usually. Uh, but now, now we're living in Cairns, which is in tropical North Queensland. We are ooh, about 1,500 kilometres, you know, about 800 miles or so from the nearest temple. Uh, and we have been once in our for our mission so far. The dream of uh, many of the members here in, in Cairns is to have a temple in Cairns. Uh, there are uh, two, in the city of Cairns, there are two branches of the church, you know, and they would get attending, uh, you know, maybe, you know, 80 to 100 people each Sunday. Uh, uh, there are a couple of nearby branches that are, you know, sort of around an hour to an hour and a half away. Uh, those branches might get 30 or 40 people there on a on a really good Sunday. Uh, there's another branch of the church to the far north of us, uh, bordering on um, uh, Papua New Guinea. So, you know, there's a there's a, 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 a group of islands called the Torres Strait Islands. And so there's a branch up there as well. And that's almost a, uh, that's a, somewhere in a, about another thousand fifteen hundred kilometres to the north of us. So our our area here is huge, uh, and and the nearest temple is, is down in Brisbane. So it's in the state of Queensland, which is is a huge state. Uh, Texas will fit in Queensland almost three times, just to give you a, an idea of how big it is. But it's a long, long way to the temple. So you know the members here dream of one day having a temple. Uh, a lot closer than it is now, and it's very difficult yeah. for members. You know, a yearly, 
a yearly trip to the temple is is often what uh, you know people aim for. Um, yeah, so so it's very difficult. You're so blessed there in Utah just to be able to have um, you know a five minute drive, a twenty minute drive, or or whatever to a temple. Uh, it's pretty amazing. As I said, I've been to Utah and I've driven around and and, and uh, seen how many temples there are there, and it, it, it is you know it's just an amazing place. Um, Sarah, it's been been great talking to you. Uh, something I I did want to ask you about was your mission. Uh, so, something else about your mission. So, uh, number of converts there. You know, we've always had this impression in Australia, at least, that you know, in 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 South America, people are literally queuing up to to be baptised, and, and, and you know, it's probably it's probably not like that. Maybe it was like that once, but. Were there any 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 converts on your mission that you that you met who had you know some, some sort of standout conversion story for you that you might like to relate to us? Or is there anyone particularly you can think of that um, you know you think would be an interesting story to tell us? As I thought about this, um, there was this family that I taught actually um, on the mission and they actually got baptized a week after I left the area. Um, and I, so I served, I, I was, I tended to not move around, but my companions would change. So I would stay in an area for a while and then my companion would leave. Um, so I was in this particular area to transfer. So I guess not, it's horribly long, but we, were the sisters who had been serving in this area before us had been talking about that this family they were teaching because they were in our district and so we got to hear about this family they're like i don't know like we should probably just stop teaching them because they're not listening it was a young they're probably in their 30s and then they had a little girl who was four and they lived in this tiny little house like a kitchen a bed like a room that had a bed in it and then the bathroom and that was it and it was not very clean and you had to go through a house into this like alleyway pretty much. And then it's just like 10 houses all in a row. And it was always super loud. There was always loud music playing that was not the best music and not the, so not the best place to be raising a child. And so you'd go there and you would be trying to teach them and this little girl would be like pulling on your hair. Like we started putting our hair up every time we went and she would jump on you and then like the husband would kind of just leave and not really listen to us or he would kind of he didn't quite bible bash but he definitely was like well i don't know about that um but the wife wanted to learn about the bible but she couldn't read very well so we were trying to you know she's from peru and so we were trying to like teach them and so with my first companion like the last week that she ended up being there we were talking like i think we're just gonna have to stop teaching them because they're not really listening and they're not keeping their commitments like we're, we would be like okay read a verse of the scriptures and she wouldn't, or we'd be like, okay, pray as a family, and they wouldn't do it. So I'm like, I don't know. And so then my new companion came, and she was very gung-ho, and she was like, no, we, we're, let's go teach them. So we went, we taught them, and our, our um, strategy this time was have one of us distract the kid while the other one taught. And we would, we would trade off, but little less trade off than normal, because we were gonna distract the kid at all costs. And so we would stay within, we wouldn't like pick them up or anything, you know, following missionary standards, but we would always be watching her and we would, you know, 
play with her, show her. She always liked the little, like, colorful tabs on my scriptures. So I'd let her play with my scriptures. And we decided to just start off with, like, very simple, like, God loves you. And instead of trying to make the lesson quick or because they wanted us to stay, that was the thing, is they wanted us to come. And so we would come and we end up spending probably like two hours there. And we've got through God is our loving Heavenly Father. And at first, the husband wouldn't really listen, but we've like kept going and we kept giving the commitments and we just kept praying for them. We ended up um, getting a member to host them so that they wouldn't be in this little house that it was really hard to feel the spirit and she was the relief society president and her husband was the state patriarch so they came and picked them up brought them to their house and we taught them the plan of salvation and it was the most powerful lesson that i have like ever taught and i was pretty quiet my companion liked to talk i didn't i i would usually let her go a lot more than i would talk and i just remember that the wife was like yes i want to be baptized because we've been we'd mentioned baptism before they'd been teaching and she's like, I want to be baptized. And her husband just goes on her about how, like, she's not ready. She's not good enough of a person. And we have to know that he was dealing with very, we believe it was bipolar, but we don't know. But, and so he, he was, he would have bad days where he would just be really angry. And um, he would kind of berate her. And I remember I like looked at him and I was like, well, do you want to be baptized? And he's, and, and she was like, no, I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, I'm going to, she'd come to church by herself. She had walked her stroller, the 15, 20 minute walk without her husband because he refused to come with her. And I was like, well, do you want to like to be changed by God? And like very direct, like I looked him in the eyes and I was like, do you want that? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, do you want to be baptized? He said, well, yeah, but I, but, and I was like, no, buts. like, do you have this desire? And he said, yeah. And I, I said, will you prepare to be baptized on such and such date? I think it was like a month out. Um, like, will you prepare and do everything you can to be baptized on this day? And at this point he is like sobbing. I have never seen, like, I'd either seen him angry or like just kind of nothing. And he was like, the spirit was so strong and he's sobbing he's like yes i will i will do it and he came to church that sunday he walked there um and he brought his wife and they went and then they came in the next week and they were coming to activities that they had in the church and they we were meeting with them on sundays and they were they started to keep their commitments um that we had given them and then they were preparing for the baptismal date and then they weren't perfect. Like that, he did miss a. He ended up missing a week, um, and she went. And so there was a point where she was prepared to be baptized, and he wasn't. And they went. And I, at this point, had moved. I had ended up going and whitewashing another area, and I was training. And so my companion, with her trainee, four days after I left, she, the wife, had her baptism, and then three weeks later, he got baptized. And they kept coming to church and getting to know the members and becoming friends with them. And I just, just seeing how the gospel changed their, their perspective on life and how he realized, because he was also really struggling with his business that he was trying to run. Um, and just seeing how they're relying on the savior um, just changed their perspective and made them realize that like life was worth living. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic, um, fantastic story. 
Sarah, a lot, lot of lessons to learn from there, you know, for, for missionaries uh, watching this. And, you know, I think one of the lessons I'm, I'm thinking of is that never write someone off as being, you know, not worth continuing with. I mean, I, I guess you do get to the point where you have to sometimes, but, you know, you, you could have written that family off uh, early on and, and, and not persevered. I think perseverance is uh, one of the great qualities uh, a missionary can have, you know, perseverance, patience, um, realising that people people can change. Uh, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it, it's sort of more of a gradual process. Um, getting the members involved there, you know, that was probably the, prob- well, one of the key things, wasn't it? You know, get, getting the members involved and, and, you know, really, really good members, really society president and the state patriarch. I mean, you probably couldn't find two better members to, to get involved there. Um, have, have you in any way managed to sort of maintain any contact with that family? Do you know how they're doing now? Any, any word from them? Unfortunately, I thought that I had noted a list of WhatsApp contacts because they didn't have Facebook, um, but I have lost my list. So I've actually, in thinking of them as I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking I need to find their number. Um, And I think I have a member friend from the area that would probably have it. So I'm I'm actually going to follow up and see if I can get his phone number yeah that, that's fantastic i bet they would be thrilled to hear from you yeah that's such a good yeah. thing yeah i don't know if you noticed recently i interviewed the two missionaries who found me 42 years ago um we haven't always kept in touch that well uh but it was just uh you know it was great to be able to catch up with them together one of them i, I met once he he and his companion knocked on my door and he was right at the end of his mission he went home uh within within two weeks of knocking on my door i never i've never ever seen him again but uh a few years ago he he reached out and got in touch with me via the missionary who was with him when he knocked on the door and that missionary went on to teach me and baptize me uh, and I've visited he and his family in Arizona a couple of times. Uh, you know, we're lifelong friends. I know his kids, uh, all that sort of thing. It's just, you know, it's a great relationship. And, um, uh, you know, one of the other missionaries who taught me was from Preston in Idaho. Um, so, yeah, keep, keeping in touch with people like that is, is a really, really good thing to do. And, and you know, obviously it's, you know, difficult sometimes when you lose numbers and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, if you're half a world away, it seems. But, um, yeah, it, it, it does make a difference, I think, uh, being able to do that. So, uh, And that's that's highly encouraged by, you know, by our church leaders. That, you know, we're encouraged to keep in touch as much as we can with our the people that we teach. Um, and I know uh, serving here in Cairns, you know, probably some of our best friends here uh and not members of the church. There are people that we spent time with, haven't necessarily actually taught anything. That we've just been friends with them and 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 done things for them to help them and you know introduce introduce the gospel to them in some in some way. Uh, and and they'll be lifelong friends for sure. You know they're people that we'll keep in touch with too. 
So, uh, Sarah, just before we wind up, um, you know, some of the some of the aspects of your life and your spiritual life we've are very evident on your Instagram page, and you obviously have a very strong testimony of the gospel. Um, tell us, if, if, is there a sort of a favourite, a favourite, a favourite aspect of the gospel that you can share with us, uh, and, and then and then be your testimony? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think for me, my favorite aspect is simply just Jesus Christ's atonement, um, that he atoned for our sins, that he suffered everything that we've gone through. I remember times on the mission or in my life that I felt very low. Um, there was even a time in uh, junior high that I, the only thing that got me through was seminary um, and like reading in the New Testament about Jesus's life and just knowing that he understands completely even when other people don't and that includes mental physical emotional spiritual difficulties and that because of him we are, are able to live as families forever and I think just as a missionary like the I remember that I always said that I was here because I wanted to share the good news of the gospel. And the good news is that we can live again with our families, and that is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I just know that as we continue to, you know, keep the commandments of God and understand that they're here for our benefit and that we can turn to our loving Heavenly Father, who is our Father, not this almighty being he's an almighty being but he's also a loving father um that we can go through anything and that, that we can be perfected and return to live in the celestial kingdom wonderful wonderful thanks so much for your time today sarah i know it's a, a sunday uh sunday evening there in the in the u.s in utah it's uh monday morning for me here um it's just been great uh, spending this time with you and getting to know you a little bit better and, and, and letting uh, everyone else get to know you a little bit better. Um, for those who have not uh, uh, seen my page before on Instagram, what we do is we save these interviews. Uh, I'll later upload it uh, as a YouTube video, as a Facebook video, and also as a podcast. And, uh, you know, my hope is that, you know, people learn from... The conversion stories of others uh, and and whether you've grown up in the church like you have Sarah or whether you're a, a more mature convert like I was or uh, whatever we all have conversion stories you know at some stage through our life we've been converted and your the, the story that you shared of, of that family uh, down in in your mission who you taught you know that's just a wonderful story to have and there are lessons to learn from that for for all of us as members of the church and as missionaries, uh, you know, the missionaries, the missionaries need the help of the members. And the people we're teaching need the help of the members too. And there's, you know, there's only so much we can do as missionaries because we're here temporarily and the, the members are there permanently. And, and, you know, it just makes such a difference when when members can be involved uh, with, with, uh, with the missionaries and the people they're teaching. It's fantastic. So thanks again for your time. 
Sarah, uh, I just encourage anyone who's not following you on Instagram to look up Let's Be Growing and uh, you'll you'll get a, not a daily dose of inspiration from Sarah. What, what, what's your aim there, Sarah? Is it once a week now or it's... Yeah, um, my, my goal is two to three times a week, but yeah. that's so just a great page to follow. <laughs> Thanks again, Sarah, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Eh? No worries. Thank you so much for having Thank me. You. It was Bye for now. An honor. <laughs> Bye. See ya. If you have an interesting story to tell, please contact us for our Instagram page or send an email to gatherin at proton.me.